What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys. And they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well, as well as the, the real deal cocktails, mimosa flights and all the goods. So come on out for brunch or come out in the evening for the new warm weather cocktail menu featuring lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, tons of outdoor patio space and good eats. Big thanks to Produce Row Cafe for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let's do it. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program. Once again, if this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast, just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. And uh, appreciate all the folks that have already taken the time to do that. It only takes 
a couple minutes. If you're not listening on iTunes, just hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening, whether it's on Spotify, which you can find the podcast on Spotify now, as well as some monthly playlists that I've been dropping every first of the month. So stay tuned for the, the June one coming at you early next week. And uh, I've been trying to keep those pretty uh, spread out genre-wise on the uh, on the playlist. So all the links will be in the episode notes for those things to keep up with the playlist. I'll put the uh, the merch links. You can get the Dan Cable Presents. It's a program shirts or the uh, the mugs. The mugs are also up there. A couple different styles of the, the t-shirts and the mugs, the extra buttered editions, as well as the, the classic stay up, stay tuned, both available. So check those out. Hope everybody is uh, doing all right out there, hanging tough. I'm uh, having a blast right now on this, this three-week road trip that I am uh, currently on. Came down to to California last week to to come see my dad, which has been cool. I'm actually recording this in his garage right now because this is the the place that I can uh, do this without people really being able to hear it. So I'm uh, I'm tucked away in the garage here, as I was for the uh, the previous intro on the newest episode of I Dig Records, which is now available. My cuzzo and I dove deep on a, uh, a title fight record, which is called Hyperview. So you can check that out. I Dig Records coming at you every other Wednesday. And um, so, yeah, I'm uh, I'm hunkering down in this, in this garage right now, recording this intro. And uh, I spent a lot of time in this, in this garage. This is... Uh, this is the house I lived in for um, my very early 20s, I guess, and late teens. I, I probably stayed with my dad in this house from like 19 to, uh, I don't know, 23 or so, maybe 24. I don't know. I was I was definitely here for four or five years. And uh, we talk about smoking weed on this episode with my guest, who is Calvin Valentine, the... Uh, incredible producer, multi-instrumentalist, composer, MC extraordinaire. This dude does it all and uh, excited to share this chat where we kind of break those things all down and, and dive deep into his creative process. But we uh, we also talk about weed and what that can do for the, the creative experience and whatnot. And uh, the years that I was living in this house is when I got when I started getting kind of heavy into weed, it was definitely that that 22 to 23 area of things, I suppose. It wasn't super early for me. But yeah, at that age, my pops was uh, was pretty cool. And, and it was it was before the, the weed laws were super loose about recreational use and whatnot. So uh, he would let us hang out in the garage late at night and... Uh, and smoke weed in here so i spent a lot of time in here hanging with people and uh doing bong rips and being introduced to all kinds of music that's kind of where really when my uh my musical taste became wider being introduced to some old stuff and also being introduced to some new stuff and it just really sent me digging 
I guess, and has uh, it's it's pretty much continued on from there. Just always kind of seeking new things to listen to, and that's what's been uh, super fun about doing this podcast and exploring all kinds of different music uh, with my cousin through the I Dig Records series, and and just the way that he's kind of challenged me to listen to some things that I wouldn't maybe necessarily pick up on my own and uh those things i've really grown to enjoy and kind of seek things out in that range myself now so um the point is is i used to smoke a lot of weed in this garage with people and uh so it's kind of a trip being in here now and uh just having some some heavy reflection time about leaving this place of Corona, California, where, where I grew up and, uh, I left it for Portland, Oregon over eight years ago now. And I'm just pretty excited about what my life has become since going up there. I think it has become more of what I've always, uh, wanted it to be. And I think moving up there just really helped things unfold for me. And it helped me uh, have the opportunities to to chase down the things that I really wanted to do. And I think it really put me around the people that have kind of propelled me and, and helped me along the way to do that as well. So it's nice to to be here and, and think about that growth and, and hopefully just personal growth in general. I... Uh, I think back to that dude that would sit in this garage, a younger version of me, and uh, I think uh, I think I've chilled out quite a bit. And I think my outlook on life is, you know, just completely shifted from from that time in in a very positive way as well. So, California, man, I'm back here for uh, another couple weeks. It's been a couple years since I've been down here because of the pandemic and I just hadn't been down the year before either. So it's really nice to be here and be uh, just being blasted by sun. I will absolutely enjoy it. I don't care how hot it is now that I've uh, become a a Pacific Northwest person. I will will take any opportunity to be just in the heat because I know that it is still raining there most of the trip that I've been out here, I feel like it's been raining there. So it's, it's great to be on the flip side of that. And I wasn't planning on doing a bunch of podcasts while I came out here, but I ended up being able to come down for longer than I thought. And, uh, I guess I just couldn't really resist. And it seemed like a, a good way to, uh, you know, celebrate the next stages of this thing and get the opportunity to chat with some people so that's what we're diving into uh this week with calvin valentine we recorded this on monday of this week in his backyard by the pool had a a great hang with him and uh really enjoyed the opportunity to to get to know him and and spend some time with him Uh, i think his his music is really great and as i said earlier in this introduction i think that uh there's just so many facets 
to to what he does he's got so much music to check out we mentioned the spotify playlist in the conversation but would highly encourage you to just throw that on it is good for any time it's just good vibes through and through so i'll put that link in the episode notes as well you're gonna hear some birds chirping because we're hanging out outside there so uh which which hopefully will uh give you a, a better sense of, of of our casual backyard hang that we had but uh great to to just get a better understanding of how this dude comes up and just his non-stop drive for music from the beginning so i hope this is uh a cool look into calvin's process and and where he comes from if you're if you're a fan of this dude already i hope you enjoy this one if you're new to the podcast because you're a fan of calvin valentine appreciate you tuning in checking this thing out if you dig it please go back every friday new episodes are dropping almost always a uh, a conversation with an with an artist or a producer or a band and then every other wednesday as i said prior I dig records with my cousin Rob Bobby Grooves. We're just uh, we're diving in to to records, listening to tracks and and covering all the genres there. So uh, yeah, man, I'm having a blast out here in California. After I uh, left Calvin's, I went and got some food. I hit a burger stand, and then I was on a mission to hit Atomic Records because I've heard that that is a great place, but uh, unfortunately they were they were closed. But then I made my way down to the, the new Amoeba location in Hollywood and got to check that out. So that was, that was very cool. And uh, got a couple more podcasts coming at you from the, uh, the LA portion of this road trip. Stoked to share those. Sorry about the extended version of the introduction this time around just for uh you know for all time's sake i had to i had to burn one down in in the garage for for the intro it wouldn't have uh it wouldn't have been right otherwise but we're gonna get into this thing all the links for calvin valentine will be in the episode notes keep up with this dude and if you were in the portland oregon area and you want to see some free live music every wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m and every sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. at Produce Row Cafe in Southeast Portland. Got some really great stuff coming up over there. On May 30th, Dre Slaps will be doing a DJ set. And then the following Sunday, Miguel Hernandez on June 6th. He'll be there doing a duo set. And then we've got some some great brunch with beats coming up. Sunday, June 13th, Splurgeon will be doing a beat set down there he is uh responsible for putting together those thirsty city events which are really cool and uh that following sunday june 20th on father's day free tillman and love jones will be uh each doing a set down there so we've got a lot of dj sets and and hip-hop stuff going on at produce row sundays and wednesdays as well as some singer songwriter and and folk duos as well so if you are itching to see some music it's a covered patio everything's socially distanced and uh, the staff has been cool about making sure everybody is feeling comfortable down there and uh, being able to enjoy some tunes so 
come check out some music Sunday or Wednesday. We're going to get in to episode 256. Calvin Valentine is on the show. We're going to kick it off with a track off Calvin's record, Napkins. And this is one of my favorite tunes of his. This one's called 22. Let's do the damn thing. Big body Benzes, smoking weed with my friends is stupendous. Bleach, blind, shave head, I'm listening to endless. Built a staircase out of a friendship, lost, getting tossed. Polo on the logo, I'm not rocking the cops. Don't care what it costs, you are not a boss. Moves getting made, copy getting paid. Keep riding my wave, I'm not falling off. Backflip off the high dive, took a dip. Took a bone rip, now I'm feeling like a skydiver With no parachute, paratrooper boots Match the hair in the birthday suit I'm looking cute, getting loot, rocking tie-dye No five guys, veggies on my plate Ain't no date, blowing my high 94 records, stole out the driveway When I moved to LA, all I watched was Friday Seen love at a Jamaican spot Exercise the plantains, baby, make it hot I'm on my campaign to do my damn thing Till we pop the champagne and I make this guap it don't stop, uh, and it never will. Never pop the pill, never drop the skill for evergreen team. We are not the ones to play games. We the type to get high and maintain. Do our thing, uh. Coming back, 22, running back. We the type to maintain, get high and do our thing. It's green team, uh. Yeah, I be coming back, 22, running back. Never thought I missed the rain We the type to get high and maintain Yo, I lived on hot on for about five years Didn't drink many beers Smoke pounds of weed with my peers We were in the basement Cooking up that dope I'm not talking about that fire that you sell or you smoke That fire that you quote When you bumping in your car When you riding with your friends When you feeling like a star When Benny picked me up We would ride out to laws Ep had the bars Green team got the beats Bomb rips till I sleep Make the cypher complete PK Ripper hit the street, polo bear on the sheets Ife uh, with the can, got me feeling like the man Living life how we wanted to, and I still am The plan was to get this money Give it to my fam, and stay living lovely I would say it's an accomplishment From where we came to where we went To where we're going, positive intent At the 10, uh, they should've never let us in All we do is win, Buddha got me feeling all zen Here we go again, green tea forever Not the one to play games We the type to get high and maintain Do our thing, uh. Coming back 22, running back We the type to maintain Get how you do our thing, it's green team uh, Yeah, I be coming back 22, running back Never thought I missed the rain We the type to get how you maintain Do our thing, let's go cool man you good to to dive into this thing yes bong in hand you know i'm ready he is uh he lives up to the brand yes bong mayor yes (laughs) (laughs) that is what i call myself (laughs) um yeah stoked to stoked to chat with you man i've been uh i've been diving deep into the into the tunes and um yeah i think the the project you did with milk the tiger's milk is is kind of uh 
how you came up on my on my radar for things and then kind of realized you know all the hands you had on on different projects over the years hell yeah and uh yeah i was i i just kind of put up a a, me- a message on instagram like who should i talk to when i'm when i'm in la and uh mm. you know sherbert I know that Portland. Name. He's a he's a producer, beat maker out of Portland. And he's Hell like, yeah. you gotta talk to Calvin Valentine. He's out there, and then it clicked in because I just uh, I I don't know, just plugged into that that Tiger's Milk record. And I was like, yeah, duh, he's out there. That would be that'd be cool. So appreciate you uh taking the time to jump on the mics with me. Yes, sir. Shout out to to Sherbert, man. Appreciate you. And uh, yeah, man, just listening. I've I've had this uh. You know this big long road trip down to california from oregon so mm-hmm. lots of time in the car to to geek out on your tunes and uh just overall i feel like your uh your music in general just seems to like evoke this this real feel good feeling like the shit that you want to have on when when the homies come over or if yeah. you're like you know rolling in the car or just kicking it by the pool or, yes, or whatever you know it's the, it's the it's the chill it's the hang vibes yes, for sure sir definitely that definitely that some stoner music yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah um yeah just even thinking about a track like 22 i feel like is um represents that really well and uh yeah it's been a trip to like kind of just go through the the catalog of music and kind of kind of wrap my head around all the all the different shit that you do yeah definitely there's a lot of different styles and i mean that's what i love about producing in general and just making music is like you can do a bunch of different things you know and not hold yourself back with uh genres or anything it's like if you can be creative then be creative in all of it and so that's what i've tried to do is just like kind of put my hand into different genres of music and, and put my touch on it yeah is that like also you just feel like that's one of the perks of of being a producer where you can just like work with a lot of different people all the time and you're not so locked into to one thing you're not just like in a band or some shit yeah no definitely that and like you don't being a rapper i mean like i rap and i sing as well and stuff but it's like when you're producing i can do a trap beat and nobody it's like you can just do all the different styles and nobody's gonna question you and as an artist people get attached to one kind of sound of yours and then if you switch it up and you might might look bad to that group of people or they think like you abandoned them or whatever but as a producer it just shows like your versatility right you know and then you're tapping into all these different fan bases of different groups and stuff which is dope for sure yeah talk, lay out like just kind of the foundation for me of like how you even get into music initially i know you're from eugene oregon man from eugene yeah i mean i i remember wanting to do music from the jump you know like my older brother selly and um this dude lafa taylor my buddy lafa taylor we we all grew up together basically and like the outskirts of eugene oregon and uh yeah so we all just like listen to hip-hop listen to a bunch of different kind of music i mean i was three years old going to like preschool wearing my pants backwards dressing like crisscross and stuff <laughs> like we we just loved hip hop music and my parents were playing like Grateful Dead, Neil Young, you know Motown that kind of stuff and so I got got that influence there and um, so yeah, a lot man, a lot of different shit coming at you then from early, early as a kid early age I, mean, I remember we would like sneak walk the creek over to Lafa's house and um, and we would listen to like Doggy Style or we listen to like Coolio and I'm talking I'm like three four years old 
listening to these these records so that was very influential and just like you know kind of showed me my path of what i wanted to do and by six years old like i begged my parents to give me a drum set you know and so i was already starting to play music around then and uh yeah it's just all kind of like blossomed from that you know first instrument though the drums yeah the drums were the first instrument and then uh my buddy nick he bought a bass and me and him started a little band and we'd like be up in, in up in my room like recording to tape these little like one minute jams and then we like call my dad up and be like hey man we just did an album and he'd come up we'd have like 20 little one minute songs that are all like the same tempo and shit they got a little change or whatever but we were in like second grade and stuff so that's how it started really and then i just kept pursuing it and um we would do shows like in middle school we did we would start throwing our own shows and eighth grade graduation we like performed at our eighth grade graduation and what kind of music are we talking at that point we were doing hip-hop okay we were making hip-hop records like when it was like me on the drums and him on the bass we were trying to make kind of like rock stuff but by that time we start i started making beats around like fifth grade when i was like 10 or 11 and and we just got into hip-hop you know like we we were always into hip-hop but that's when we were like man this is like the the kind of music we want to make yeah to the point where my dumb ass like sold my drum set you know, I, like, I don't need instruments. I made rap music. And then, like, you know, a few years later, I'm like, fuck, I need to go buy another drum set. Like, what did I do? So Realize I'm maybe it'd be an important tool for you down the road. Yeah, definitely. Well, yeah, exactly. Once I learned, like, what sampling was and stuff, it all kind of, like, clicked. So first it was like, oh, I need keyboards and live instruments. And then I'm, like, trying to make primo beats where all the stuff I was listening to, I didn't realize what, what sampling was because I was so young. Yeah. And then finally it all kind of clicked, like, oh, this is all the music I love is sample based. Nobody's playing these instruments. They already been played. So then I gave up on instruments Mm. like a dummy, you know, thinking, okay, all I need to do is sample records. And then kind of all came full circle by the time I was like ninth or 10th grade. Then it was like, okay, I need all of, I need to be able to do everything. And you realize you could sample your own shit. Well, yeah, that took a a few more years (laughs) before I was like, oh yeah, this is something I could do too. But but yeah, I mean shit. And then like, you know, by ninth grade, we were doing shows at uh, University of Oregon and stuff. We were doing like house parties for the college kids. And we were like 15 year old kids, like just partying with all the college kids and shit. And Are you rapping at this point too? Yeah, we were rapping. It was like me and Nick would rap and then my brother would be the DJ. Okay. And I was making all the beats and, um. Yeah, and we were just doing that, and it was like four, you know, like minute long verse, like 40, 50 bar verses a piece, like four <laughs> minute long songs. Like, it shit was out of control, super hip hop. It was all hip hop as fuck. <laughs> but it was fun. It was our foundation, you know. What were you making beats on initially? Um, we I started on this, this program called Hip Hop EJ. And it was like um, a loop-based program, kind of how Splice is. And you would basically, it would basically just have like, you know, shit ton of drum loops. And then you could, all right, I'm going to pick this one and put it in. And then here's a bunch of bass lines in E major. All right, I'm going to grab this one. Here's a keyboard line in E major. And you just kind of like place a beat together. And it kind of taught me how to arrange. Um, and then after that, we got um, Acid Pro, which I still actually use. And then we started making beats with Acid Pro. And then the homie got like the Boss the Roland Boss 404 drum machine or whatever. And then by the time we were in like ninth grade, he got the 2000 XL. And so I would just go over to his house and, and cook up on the 2000 and shit. And it's fucking, yeah. it's, it's cool that you had like these other people around you that also wanted to immerse all their time into this. Yeah. Definitely. Not to say that you wouldn't have done it on your own, you know, had you found that, but that's also gotta be dope when it's like, Oh, these are my friends. And like, this is just what we're, 
this is what we do with our time now exactly it was like my best friend nick and my older brother you know and so it was just like perfect and he rapped and made beats and i rapped and made beats and my brother dj'd so it was like a perfect combo so we would just like set up in our parents living room with like a pa system and the turntables and like freestyle for you know ever and like do little performances for our parents you know when we were hella young and it just kind of like built our confidence of like hey we can do this shit too and uh whether it was good or not didn't really matter it felt good you know what i mean absolutely man were you uh at that point did you lean towards production over the like the rapping at that point or like did you like one more than the other or i was just never as confident in, in my raps you know my voice was high all the artists we listen to rap with low voices charlie mm. tuna abstract yeah. rude asap rock you know what i mean all those do like all that shit so oh, i was man. always kind of like embarrassed of my voice and my my shit so yeah i was way more into production in that sense because i could have my con i, I knew i was dope at making beats it was kind of like undeniable uh where with the raps it was like somebody could poke a hole in it you know yeah. like i remember chilling mm. one time with this girl and she like picked up my my rap book and started like reading my raps to me and if, if you write lyrics and somebody does that to you, it's hurtful. Oh, man. Because <laughs> you're just like, Oof. damn. You're like, damn, that's not how you, you got to say it with some, you know, uh, so it's yeah. like that kind of shit. You couldn't Fuck. do that with the beats. It was just like, they're going to be tight. <laughs> I remember had to have been like late high school, early. Yeah, maybe maybe right after high school. And at that time, I was writing a lot of lyrics myself more in the like alternative rock singer songwriter type shit just always writing lyrics and in that sense and i remember yeah. that uh this girl had inspired something and i i was like you know very proud of it or yeah. it felt like it was very sweet and then she like said the lines out out loud to like a group of Oof. like a group of people yeah. and i was just like Oof. and and like some of those dudes were just like yeah what the like yeah. <laughs> this is what you're doing you're yeah. writing this yeah like, and i was just like oh bad. man it was that was cold yes yeah, so you, <laughs> you know that pain. that was not the time <laughs> yeah so you know that pain so yeah but I, I i loved rapping and i loved performing and i still do you know like there's been so many times in my career where i'm like i'm gonna stop rapping and then i'm like why i like doing it you know yeah man it's fun I, yeah i think it's very cool that you didn't let that you know derail you from continuing to pursue it in some way because i I really like all of your work for like different reasons. Like I really mm -hmm. appreciate the shit where it's just you and you're rapping and mm -hmm. I think you're like, your singing voice is great. Thanks, like man. sounds good on the tracks and like the hooks are like, that's a big part of the hooks. It's not, it's not yeah. just the production sometimes. Hell yeah. I appreciate that, man. When I feel like, you know, the, yeah, for me, it's just like having, it's the confidence thing. It's like, I still have to like kind of push myself to, to get there you know or to like enjoy it to a certain extent of of being confident in it i guess i enjoy making it but then it's like man i don't want people to poke holes in this shit and so i always kind of approach my rap career a little like like that being like oh you know i just do this on the side kind of thing when it's like i really do love, <laughs> love to do it you know what i mean so i've had to kind of like that was a while ago i've like gotten over that and and been more like forward with my rap stuff but it's tough when you like work with people like planet asia and and shit and you're like who, who am i to fucking rap you know like I, this dude's out of control so that was always tough for me or like singers i'd be working with like mm -hmm. these incredible singers and then i'm like i'm not gonna sing like 
oh, this dude can sing way better. Like, I'll just keep <laughs> like, making these beats. <laughs> you're a singer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but I, I just, am, I just stay so creative. It's hard for me not to like end up like writing songs and stuff. I love to do it. It's a good expression and shit. Yeah. Do you also find that you've like some of those people that you have so much respect for, um, like either as a rapper or a singer have maybe validated you in some way and been like yeah what you're doing is is very cool oh definitely as well definitely and those are the times where you're like all right sick you know like those are the things like in the music industry that i hold on to more than the money and the success is like the my ogs like the folks i came up on reaching out to me and showing love and going we see what you're doing keep doing it you know like you're cut from the same cloth but woody boob like i've had a lot of conversations like that with with the folks I came up on and that shit is just that's the confirmation for me you know it's like okay this dude who I studied like sees that I make shit that's not that comes from what he was doing but it's something different you know and that shit feels great so that helps to kind of keep moving you know yeah you also feel like you since you were like rapping as you were learning how to make beats that that was super helpful to your producing of beats because you knew like how to find a pocket in things from a rapping standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And just a song, like making songs, you know, like realizing like, okay, if I just loop up this little four bar thing, it's going to get boring at a certain point if somebody wants to do a whole song to it. And so that definitely helped me kind of like learn arrangement and, um, and shit. And then being in a live band, I mean, we used to do so many shows, man. Like when I was in high school and up until I moved to LA, basically I just did a bunch of shows and like I was in a live band right out of high school uh, and I played drums in it and then I played keyboards when our drummer quit and that helped like tremendously as far as like producing because yeah. then I'm like jamming with dudes for four hours and seeing okay this is how the bass and the drums lock in with each other this is how the keyboard this is the guitar this is how we leave room for the vocals and all that shit so that shit helps a bunch but yeah definitely writing songs also helped a lot because you know we made a lot of music <laughs> yeah so yeah you learn for sure yeah, I think that's like a that's got to be such a killer space to really uh, lock in with rhythm, and that's that's the whole thing that that you're doing is yeah. you know you're making making those beats like the rhythm has to be everything. One hundred percent. A lot of like uh, my favorite producers were drummers, or like you know it's like or it's like a lot of the best producers were either DJs first or drummers or a little bit of both, because then they had one the rhythm or two like the sound selection you know like dilla was a fucking dj you know dilla yeah. was a, and he and he played drums and something for that you know what i mean so you understand it a little bit better than than somebody who hasn't played an instrument or like played with other people to, to fit into a space right because then when you also even if you are just like sampling those instruments or like creating those those instruments on a synth or a midi like mm -hmm. you actually understand like where they would be played you know yeah. like just like throwing something out there yeah exactly and like that's what that what i took into beat making from that so then when i'm even if i'm playing a bass line on the keyboard i'm like how would a bass player play this bass line not like how can i like play this so it sounds you know it's like you kind of put yourself in that mind frame i'm like what would the dude the big fat dude in the band in the reggae band with the bass sitting on his stomach like how would he play a yeah. bass line to this beat you know what i mean so i kind of do that when i'm making beats I like try to put myself in 
and it, it, it's not like playing a character, but it's kind of like that. You're like, all right, if I'm going to play a guitar line on my keyboard. How can I play it so it doesn't sound like I'm just playing the keyboard, you know? Um, there's only so many notes on a guitar. You can fucking play like 10 at a time on the on the keys or more. So it's like thinking of things like that. Uh, we're, being in live bands for sure or being in that band medium, Troy, was super helpful for that. Yeah, I think it's... Uh at least for me, it's like pretty engaging to watch even some of the videos like you throw up on Instagram where you're like showing the layering of how you're doing stuff with with the live instrumentation, you know, mm-hmm. is like it's exciting to watch, I think, to like see it come together and see that it's not just, you know, just pulling shit on, on a computer or like some software. Like yeah, you're no. actually like laying down those drums there and it's a real drum kit. Yeah. And you can play it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that shit's just it's fun, man. You, I get bored sometimes. Like, I love sampling, but you get bored with it. Or, like, you get bored with playing instruments and you want to sample. So it's it's just... Uh, I've always just tried to set myself up for longevity in, in music. And I feel like doing the same thing over and over will probably make you go kind of crazy. So it's like... Yeah. That's why I like trying to learn different instruments and just, and just play different things and... Like it just brings something else to it. It's like there's nothing wrong with Splice or any of those programs that you can do all that stuff. It's just for me, I came up. I'm just like a little bit older. I came up. It wasn't laptop producing. Like you had to get the MPC or you had to get the some some form of drum machine or sampler, mm-hmm. you know. So I still just like love that. I love a keyboard more than I love a VST. Like any day of the week, you know. Yeah, man. It's uh, and you know, if you're always trying to find new ways to do things i gotta imagine that's like a great way to build that sustainability and just like you got more tools and you got like more you're excited about this new thing that you're trying to implement into your process Mm -hmm. and like it's uh i think that's the people you see like creating longevity for themselves yeah well like all the shit we sampled was made you know 40 years ago like shit in the seven it's just crazy that we have all this technology and like we still aren't making as dope as music as they were back then with like the with you know the little technology they had it's just that shit trips me out so that kind of keeps me like humble and with my instrumentation and stuff it's kind of like okay what do i need this like big computer with all these fucking plugins that can do all this if you know you know james jamerson didn't need that he just needed his bass and he went funky as fuck why can't i why can't i do that like let me tap into that energy more than more than the other energy you know what i'm saying yeah um just thinking about a particular baseline on on one of your records it's the uh it's off that that high noon at cobra island with oh, yeah. law spoken that uh man that baseline on noah's arcade though with that that screaming synth line that like goes along with it is that's a very uh when i think about just like things that stick out to me from listening Funky one shout out to Laws. Laws made all those beats. Getting those big boy advances and recouping them. We straight alley. Automatic shifting, my foot's not on the brake. Rolling up the pit, man, we do this every day. Cop a quarter, make a play. Cruising USA. Automatic shifting, my foot's not on the brake. Rolling up the pit, man, we cruising to the back. Cop a quarter, make a play. 
he made all them shits with just a, a turntable and a, what was like the ESP-16 or whatever. He's going to be pissed if I said it wrong. But yep, it's just a little sampler and he had like four or five seconds of sample time for all those beats. So that was really dope. That was another thing. It was like, no, we didn't, he didn't use a laptop computer, none of that shit. He just made that shit right there with a the record and that's what you hear and like. Yeah, man. I, I love that stuff. Yeah, that bass line's funky. I saw a couple of those videos too where you guys are just geeking out with each other. Yeah. And it's cool to to see how that like works together in like a live sense of building that shit. Yeah, well yeah. And Miles, man, Miles my dude. When I first moved up to Portland, he was like one of the people who I met and just like connected with instantly. And we both like love smoking weed and digging for records and VHSs. And uh, it was just a match made in heaven. So <laughs> <laughs> me and him are the green team. And we put out two projects as the green team and produced Epps' album, Chrome Plated Chronicles. So shout out to Laz. And he did the Hanuna Cobra Island. Produced that whole thing. Yeah, that's a cool. I like that record. Hell yeah. That was a fun one to do. That was another one where like I put out Save the Planet. And then uh, I was just kind of like, I don't know about like this rap thing, doobity doop. Like maybe I should just get back into producing, you know, more. And then like uh, one of the OGs called me and he was just like, man, shit you're doing is crazy. He's like, don't stop rapping. Keep doing this. Thing. And it was like, I did not like I said anything online or nothing. He just like called me out the blue with it. And I was like, all right, fuck it. And then we ended up making High Noon Cobra Island kind of like after that conversation. Because I was like, hit, I was, me and Law has been meaning to like reconnect on some music shit and the pandemic slowed everything down where he was able to get back to making beats and I was able to have time to like work on my music instead of working on everybody else's music. So that was a fun one to do. A hell of a fun one to do. And Laws is the reason uh, Tiger Milk happened, so. How did that shake out? Uh, me and Laws just like FaceTime all the time and like smoke bong hits together and uh, just politic and talk about music and whatever else. And uh, yeah, he could, he was doing the project with Milk, the Cocaine Cobra. Okay. And then he was like, me and you and Milk should do something. And I've known Milk for a long ass time. And I was like, all right. And then he was like, you should call it Tiger Milk. I was like, well, it's done. We're doing yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because basically like, not to go too deep, but THC was a group that Laz and I made with the rapper Only One. We just never made any music. And so it was called Tiger Hot Cobra. And I'm Tiger, Only One's Hawk, and Laz is Cobra. So that's where the Tiger Milk idea started so okay like, that's another one of my nicknames but we never like solidified it i just always loved tigers calvin and Hobbes. you know it's like yeah. right there uh so yeah we were facetiming laws was like yo you should we should do this i'm like i'm with it and then he helped me like pick out the beats to send him milk and he was like a part of he was we would like i would like facetime him while i was mixing mm -hmm. or like working on the project and shit so he was like a big part of it and he did the artwork he is he is part of tiger milk yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a cool project too. I think I think Milk has a, a cool style and delivery to what he does. His attitude. They took the pee away to the plug house. My girl tried to take me to fuck out. She know I'm cheating like the Astros dug out. Got fatigue on it. I ain't getting subbed out. All this camera on looking like a Monix's weed roller. The entourage solid, no freeloaders. Shout out to Laws, that's King Cobra. T Mobile, flip phone, in a coffee holder. I leaped over. Wait for it to reopen. Stages getting torn up too. Your favorite rapper, why just pouring up too? I ain't even getting started. I'm still in my warm up suit. Go ahead and form your crew. They all corn up food. I'm gonna hit it green in the face, so make that beat that I'm making, so I know y'all.
love it. Yeah, them. no, definitely the attitude, the whole thing. And he's always been dope. I mean, we used to do shows with him when I was in his group T and E, and his group Low B would like you know play with us or whatever, and we would do shows. And they were like a little younger and a little more rowdy than us. Like we thought we were rowdy and like young, <laughs> and they were a little more rowdy and a little younger. So it, we always had fun with them. So it was cool. It's cool to see him just like keep going and. I mean, he's got battles on YouTube from like I don't know, ten plus years ago, where he's still just like barring up on people. He'd be embarrassed if if you went and saw it. But <laughs> I watched one the other day or like a few months ago, and I was like, "Damn, dude, you always been killing it." So it was dope. It was really fun working on that record. It was a real fun. Did you start uh, like smoking weed pretty early on, along with uh, creating the music? Yeah, I started smoking weed way too early. <laughs> I'm from Eugene, Oregon, though, so it was like, <laughs> I mean, I remember seeing kids, I remember people smoking bud, just like you go to the park with your family and somebody be like roasting a bowl or like we go to like some event or you go to the fucking country fair, which is like this hippie ass yeah. thing that happens in Eugene every summer and, you know, painted naked women and people doing all sorts of things and we were exposed to it really early, so yeah. I, did, I was into music before I started smoking weed, but once I started smoking weed, it kind of all, like, clicked. Yeah. It was like, oh, all these songs that I love are about this thing that I ended up loving, too. <laughs> For sure. I guess I asked just because I feel like we're at a much different stage in the game with, like, what weed represents now. And, like, yeah. a lot more people <clears throat> understand, like, its medicinal yeah. qualities, but also uh, it's, you know... Not everybody smoking weed every day doing their their shit is necessarily like some deadhead, like a stoner that's, you know, not doing right. anything with their life. Right. You know, so. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's like been pretty powerful as like a creative tool for me, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, is that kind of how you feel about it? Like, do you feel like it opens up something for you when you're. Yeah, definitely. Creating. Definitely. I mean, are, are these all just scraping on the thing? No. Okay. No, good. we're good. It's not going to pick up tons of it. You know, there might be a little a little <laughs> wind, but it'll be all right. I do about it anyway. Yeah. But, uh. It's real. It's, it's real. real. We're, in my, we're in my backyard. We're in backyard the, the palm trees scraping on the little overhang. Burning one down. Yeah. You know? It always freaks people out when they're hanging out here. Um, But yeah, man, weed just like, I remember the first time I smoked weed, I was like, damn, I like this. You know, and I was, then I was like, ah, maybe not. And then I smoked it again. And I was like, oh shit. And we were like listening to music, and it all just kind of clicked. It was like, oh, everything I love, I love a little bit more off this stuff. <laughs> but I always like looked at it as a medicine and as some healing. You know, I was me and my buddies were like so into reggae, and still I'm still like super into reggae. And so like we already kind of like were into all that stuff and listening to all that stuff and the Grateful Dead and all these like hippie things were just around us. And so we just like felt like second nature it felt like drinking water you know and uh yeah man you know it is what it is some people could point at you and say you're an addict and other people it's it's just your medicine so for me it's my medicine and uh it helps so much with the creativity of opening your mind and letting you lock in at least for me i would never tell anybody to smoke weed i'm like because i've seen people i've seen weed treat people so different yeah absolutely you know like people freak out panic attacks people fucking whatever so I'm, i when i talk about my weed juice it's just for me you know i'm like this is what i do this is what i like to do and don't do it unless you can handle it yeah for sure there's some, there's some people that are going to smoke weed in there they're not going to be doing anything exactly after that and that's cool too exactly or, and i'm i'm like an opposite stoner 
Like, if I don't smoke weed, like, there'll be some days where I, like, I'm sitting around and I'm watching a movie or some shit. And I'm like, damn, dude, I just feel so lazy today. Like, what the fuck? And then I take a bong hit. I'm like, I better go make a beat. You know, it's like <laughs> instantly I have some, like, new motivation or just, like, peace of mind that's different, which I love. And, uh, I mean, I can make music not high as well, but yeah, it's just a lot of fun, man. It's a lot of fun. I don't know. It seems to like allow me to listen differently. I mm-hmm. feel like too. Feel it. Like that's my favorite time to like really dive into a record. If mm-hmm. I'm going to be talking to somebody like you, like I love just getting super blasted and, and putting your tunes on and, and just like, let's see what kind of questions comes out of that, that area, you know, where I'm like pr- really locked into the headphones and exactly. And you're not, it's just like, I don't know. just like, probably does what like alcohol does for some people where it kind of like loosens their ambitions to a certain like i don't know if that's the right way to say it but it just makes makes me feel like fuck it i'm gonna try this thing i'm gonna do this you know like in the studio kind of like creative things or just whatever it just opens my mind up but when i first started smoking weed making beats was tedious and annoying because i'm all high and i'm like oh i'm gonna click on this thing and i gotta do this thing and And so i kind of had to like force myself for the first few weeks of getting high and making music to like get past that part i'm like because i'm like man i really love smoking weed so i'm probably gonna make music and want to be high because <laughs> people come to the studio and they're like yeah i smoke but man if i smoke and make music like i'm just i can't do anything you know right and so i didn't really want to be one of those people i knew how much uh i like smoking weed <laughs> <laughs> so and it'd be like performing too like a lot of people be like, dude, you're getting high before you perform? I'm like, I get high before I perform. I smoke weed on stage. Like, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man. But again, it's like, don't, don't everybody try that. <laughs> that life is not for everyone. Nah, that was like the thing in Portland. People would come over and they'd be like, I want to smoke with the green team. I want to smoke with Lars and G. And uh, then they would just be on the floor. You know, a <laughs> few, few bong hits in and like, I'm not going to name names, but I've had a handful of rappers where I turn around and they're like asleep on the studio floor type of <laughs> shit. Like the, the, the weed knocked them out. <laughs> so when you're in high school and you're doing all these shows, mm-hmm. you're producing these beats, you're, you're writing raps. Mm-hmm. Um, is there kind of no question in your mind at that time? Hey, the, like this is what I'm going after. I'm not seeking some other type of lifestyle at this point. Yeah, 100%. I was always knew I wanted to do music, but there was a point where I like really loved basketball. And so I thought, you know, okay, maybe I could pursue basketball and and go to college doing that. But once it like, once I hit ninth grade and I went into high school, it was, I had a conversation with my pops about that. And, and, you know, I just decided like, man, if I want to be successful in basketball, I can't really focus Mm -hmm. on music how I want to. And if I pursue basketball, like, come on, I'm like 5'10", white dude, what's the farthest I'm going to get? Am I going to play some college ball? Maybe. You know, I was pretty good. I was pretty pretty good point guard, real good point guard. But that was kind of the, the conversation I had with my dad. And he was just like, what do you, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, man, I want to do music, you know? And so that was the decision I made in like when going into high school. It was like, this is what I'm going to focus my life on. And I knew it was what I always wanted to do, basically, you know? It's like, I felt like I was put here on this earth to create music, whether it was to be successful or not and make money that's not it it was to just be here and create music and put music out into the world so yeah high school was that's all it was about (laughs) it's cool that you uh were able to kind of recognize that from a super young age yeah so i don't think that that clicks in 
for everybody even if you end up on this path later of yeah. like trying to pursue just like a passion or and just that whole idea hey if i if i do this from an early age and really put all my energy into it i can i can really make some moves with it yeah and it was, there was just nothing else i like to do more you know i just loved making music and uh luckily i had like a good friend group who liked to like either just kicking in the studio while I worked or they would want to rap and do music. And I was still working with my buddy Nick a bit. And then I met this kid undermined and we started making albums together when I was in like 10th grade. And there always just seemed like something to do and something to create. And it was fun to kind of see the reaction from the kids in our school and shit, you know, like we'd be battling the the seniors and stuff and kind of whooping their ass and embarrassing them (laughs) and shit. Cause we were, my buddy Nick was like, was really good at rapping like he was really good at a, even at a young age he was really good and uh yeah so yeah man it was just what we did it was shit was fun to the point where my mom uh made me go to therapy for a, a session because she thought i was depressed because all i did was spend my time in my room making beats and i like, didn't want to go to prom mm-hmm. and i didn't want to do that you know i wasn't like participating in these school things and it was pretty funny She's like, and I was smoking hella weed and shit, which she did not like. (laughs) But it was funny because I went to the therapist and I told him what's up. And then he was like, man, you're not depressed. I'm like, nope. He's like, you just like to get high and make music. I was like, yep. (laughs) So he told that to my mom and she was not happy. (laughs) And look at you now. Here you are. Now nothing's changed. (laughs) Here you are. Still making music. Still making music. Still getting high. (laughs) It was hella funny. But yeah. You still like to play basketball? Yeah, definitely. I definitely still like to play ball. Uh, I still like love watching basketball, and I got a crazy champion jersey collection. So yeah, just in general, I saw I saw a few hockey jerseys in the in the mix too, and I'm mm-hmm. uh, that's my go to sport. So there you go. I appreciated I, seeing like a Devils jersey in there. Even the like yeah. I I I hate San Jose, and I just, <laughs> I'm still stoked on seeing the throwback Sharks jersey in the mix or the the fit was nice with that one. But yeah, I mean that's the problem for me sometimes with my collection of sports gear is like half the time I don't give a shit about the team, right? And then I run into somebody who does, and it's never a negative thing. You might get like, oh fuck the whatever, and you're just like, ha ha. Yeah. But usually it's some dude who's like really stoked that you're wearing the team, and yeah. he's like, man, we're doing good this year, bro. And I'm like. Pfft. Maybe. You know what I mean? Like, I'll fucking like I'll just be like, yeah, yeah, we are, bro. Next, we got it. Like, I was dipped out in some Michigan State gear the other day, and this dude like walked up to me. And he's like, "Fucking go, Michigan State, bro!" And he's like, "You went there?" And I was like, "Nah." And he's, like, he's like, "Oh, I went there." And I was like, "All right, cool, man." Yeah, cool. I'm How like, was it? Exactly. I'm like, "Hey, man, these shorts are just fire. What can I say? I like to wear them." Have but, a good day. But the champion jersey shit is like, you know, all the stuff I wanted when I was a kid. So it's like now I can, I don't, you know, I want the Rasheed Wallace jersey. I got to get the Rasheed Wallace jersey. <laughs> I wanted the Jerry Stackhouse, you know, join or the or or I'm getting jerseys that I used to have, like the Chris Weber, you know, bullets jerseys. Like I used to have that when I was in like fourth grade and would wear it to school and shit all the time, and or like my Allen Iverson jersey or whatever. So yeah, that's a whole another like part of the creativity that I see, you know. Um. What do you mean by that? Like, just I mean, like that stuff inspires like my music. Oh, the, you know just I mean? like the sports and and the aesthetic of jerseys and and yeah, things like that and fashion, like how like my you know like Ralph Lauren and and like the champion jerseys and all this stuff that I really enjoy is like that stuff finds its way into my records, you know, 
and influences me you know an outfit might influence me of what kind of beats i'm gonna make mm-hmm. that day and and shit like that like i don't like dressing bummy at the crib i want to you know what i mean when i'm going in to make beats or like to write write raps and stuff it's like if i got on a fresh fit or i feel good about i'm like ooh, i got on this stacy ogman atlanta hawks jersey like oh there's like four words i can rhyme in this in uh. this shit you know what i mean or i can take from the colorway and put it into what i'm saying and uh so yeah like fashion influences my music a lot too yeah just that that fucking bullshit of look good feel good and hey man that's dope though because like your studio is in the house Mm -hmm. so like i I think that's uh that's kind of a cool practice to have like hey like i'm not just at the house this is where i work yeah and i'm gonna show up to work and I'm I'm not gonna just be you know and like bumming around in, in sweats. Yeah, or some <laughs> shit, you yeah. Know? yeah. Like I don't know. I just don't feel comfortable doing that. I feel like that. Like you said, it's like that's my workspace. So it's mm. like I want to come in there feeling, you know, just feeling fresh. It's also cool just understanding like, because there there obviously there's a lot of sports references like throughout the the catalog of tunes. So mm-hmm. just kind of knowing that. Hey, that might have just be because I was wearing that yep. that Stacey Ogman jersey, you know, <laughs> yep. that day. Yeah, one hundred percent. And it was real cool. Recently, uh, somebody DM'd me, and they were like, "Hey, man, that Double RL song off Save the Planet." Um, they're like, "My girlfriend or their wife or somebody works at at Ralph Lauren, and they're like, they play that in the design room and shit. They like love that song." And it was like. <laughs> that was wild bro that's like a full circle you're like man my raps were inspired by your clothing and now my raps are inspiring the design of the clothing that's amazing what a wild world so that's the stuff in music that i really enjoy too is like i was saying earlier like money and all that stuff's cool but those things that's just like you can't put a price on that shit yeah and it's just wild you're like who would think this little stoner kid from eugene could like even get the attention of like ralph lauren's designers you know what i mean art imitating art and shit yeah that's that's, that's crazy man. You could grab me some incense of the lighter. I don't mean to trouble you. On the bubble up, double up the Ralph Lennon. Forever spinning. Get your numbers up, not pretending. Forever winning. As long as these records spinning. Forever winning. As long as these records spinning. Uh. Double RL. If it's so well. Kick the hotel. Put the towel under the dough. Focus smell. I'm high as hell. Hope you can tell. I really appreciated some of the the George Carlin samples you used on Save the Planet. I think Carlin was like someone I tapped into pretty early, like maybe 14. And Mm -hmm. one of those people that kind of fucking lifted the veil a little bit on, you know, the realities of the world and shit. So to hear those are are very cool how you tied those in. Yeah. It was the best. I mean, the Bill and Ted shit and then the Jay and Silent Bob shit. Yeah. Always on him. (laughs) So yeah, no, that worked out perfect. That was really dope to, to put into that project. And that project too, the Biodome song, you know, my little tribute to Polly Shore. And then in a part, you know, I, I tagged Polly Shore, but he ended up seeing it. He ended up being like, yo, that's tight. Follow me. We had like a little back and forth conversation or whatever. <laughs> he showed some love. 
Like, bro. That's amazing, dude. You know, some shit like that. It's just like, what, dude? I grew up watching Biodome. I grew up watching all the Pauly Shore movies. Yeah. Jury Duty, all them shit. I still have in the all army of them on now. VHS. Yeah. In the <laughs> army now. All those. So, uh, that type of shit's just crazy. You know, and to anybody else, they'd be like, who gives a shit? But I'm like, I do. And it felt good. <laughs> I, f- I think I get stoked listening to, like, the the records where you are rapping because i feel like our reference points are probably from like around the same era mm-hmm. i'm not sure exactly how old you are but i'm 36 mm-hmm. yeah so, i'm 33 okay so yeah. yeah not too not too far off so like yeah i just appreciate a lot of the references you have and the wrestling <laughs> shit yeah you know and people like don't most people don't get it and like my mom was like why don't you write songs uh that are more universal or whatever and i'm like well that's not i'm not writing music for anybody but myself and so it's like it's really kind of like an autobiography of sorts and it's a lot about my childhood and like the stuff that influenced me growing up and so it's cool that you like catch those references i mean yeah dude people won't get like i've had homies be like damn i hadn't he like the biodome song specifically they're like like i don't know the fuck that's i've like, seen what? that movie a lot dude. exactly <laughs> like, so when I know you've exactly seen that movie you... it's like you get it like bud and doyle on a road yeah, trip dude, like i so get it right good. away but other people are like what the fuck bud and doyle what the hell are you talking well, about Encino man shit exactly yeah exactly you know, like, so yeah it's a it's no wonder i'm like underground as fuck with my rap shit because it's like i'm referencing things that like you know <laughs> you had to be there i guess i mean that's such a <laughs> that's like one of the things i'm going into a hip-hop record for mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of time is like hey what are your references yeah you know that's <laughs> yeah and that's that's yeah. a huge appeal to me definitely that's why milk's so dope too he's like got the old references and then he's like he's up on new shit to reference it in, mm-hmm. in not a corny way which is not easy to do you know to like reference new stuff that's happening to even like reference like clubhouse or some shit like that yeah not make it sound corny it's t- right. you remember when like all those MySpace bars came out or whatever, yeah. and then you're just like, ugh, ugh, so, you know, and then they sound really bad five years later. Yeah, it's like man, so shout out to Milk, he's good at that. But yeah, man, I don't know. That's why I like rapping. It's just fun. It's fun to listen to it too and be like, this nobody knows what this song is about but me. <laughs> I think a lot of people kind of see my raps as very like surface level, like weed just weed and clothes or weed or like braggadocio but there's like a there's a deeper yeah. level to them to me it's like, like i don't even i don't get some sort of braggadocious vibe from mm-hmm. listening to your shit that's good and like i also i think that uh there's a lot of cleverness with your weed references like it doesn't f- for someone that enjoys that culture but obviously yeah. can also find a lot of cringeworthy shit in the stoner culture right <laughs> yeah definitely just like within anything <laughs> yeah definitely. Um, like it's uh that shit doesn't rub me the wrong way your vocabulary for it or just like the references you make to it i'm just like this is sick <laughs> <laughs> hell yeah man that's good to hear i appreciate that i appreciate that man yeah hey weed's awesome weed is awesome is there a was there a point along doing this that you like got the nod from someone really recognizable in the scene? Cause you've obviously made records with people like planet Asia and you know, you, you've got some, uh, some pretty killer credits t- to your name production wise. So when does that all kind of like tar- start to take shape for you? That like started to take shape. Um, when I was like 18, 19 i mean like okay. the the stuff i was doing with like 
my buddy Nick and my brother Sally, which was, we were called Alliance Crew, very hip hop, terrible name. Um, we like got it cracking in Eugene, you know? And so that was my first kind of taste of like, oh shit, like we have fans, you know, we have people who like come out to our shows. We have this, that, and the third. And then the medium Troy thing was kind of the same thing. We like was even, even on a bigger level selling out, you know, venues in Eugene. And then we got on the warp tour for a little run in, okay. in, um, 2008 and that was kind of like the first like oh shit you know we can get out of this city with this stuff and then after that warp tour thing um i got folk i was like you know what like they didn't want to i wanted to like do something bigger i'm like okay we just did this like what can we do next mm. and they were it's hard to get everybody on the same page so we weren't yeah. on the same page so i kind of like quit the group at that point and was like okay if i'm gonna quit this group what can i do and i just started reaching out a bunch of rappers and um Planet Asia hit me back and I ended up like start and he was like fuck it let's do like a project and I was like 18 19 when that happened and that was like I grew up Planet Asia is like still one of my favorite rappers and when up to that point he was you know he was fucking he's still Planet Asia like I just talked to him today and he's still like I was like you're fucking Planet Asia how can I just call you yeah that's <laughs> it amazing. trips me out but yeah that was it when when he showed me love and like was like sent me back tracks and I'm like hearing him rap on my beat and I'm like this sounds like just as good as the shit he's done with other people that definitely like boosted the confidence and made me be like all right you know and at the time he was like working on an album with pete rock and working on an album with me i'm like insane you know you're like whoa what the hell you working on an album with me for and yeah and that project was supposed to like quali was gonna sign it to blacksmith so yeah in that moment definitely like being still living in eugene mm -hmm. and be like what quali's heard my music at this point i'm working with planet asia he calls me whoa you know yeah it was a big like holy shit and yeah the kind of, that definitely like helped the the confidence or just the note like knowing hey you can do this fuel the fire exactly and just showing like because when i in eugene there was nobody i could look to and go that dude lives off of music. Yeah. This dude's fucking successful. Like, our, the most successful group from Eugene at that time was, like, some of the dudes from Floater or some shit were, like, from Eugene. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they're from Eugene. And then Cherry Pop and Daddies. Yeah, right. Those were, like, the biggest acts from Eugene. And nobody knows who they are unless you heard Zoot Zoot Riot, you know? And that's a one one jam. <laughs> yeah, that was, that one wasn't jam. built to last. Yeah, and those dudes, like, I mean, they got paid off that Good shit. for them. Very good for them. Good for them. But I didn't know them, you know. Right. Was I wasn't. Like, <laughs> you weren't like, hey, the Cherry Pop and Daddies <laughs> are making music as a career path a tangible thing to me. One hundred percent. And we didn't even know they were from Eugene. I didn't know they were from know Eugene that for like pff, until I moved out of Eugene, kind of thing. It was yeah. like years later. You're like, oh, they were from Eugene. Crazy. Some dude at work told me that one day after I moved to Portland, and I was mm -hmm. just like, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> Zoot suit right, huh? Yeah, like all right then. <laughs> so, so yeah, that was very like, um, yeah, it just helped. Like, at least I had a credit of beyond just like having a credit. It was just somebody who I looked up to and respected and and listened to since I was you know when when he first came out, right? So, in ninety nine, ninety eight, whatever it was, and yeah, when he was the the real like everybody was Planet Asia up on Planet Asia man when, when he came in, yeah. And he's still, he hasn't lost a step, and he's still like one of the best rappers around. And and I mean, he was doing all the shit that like all these dudes are doing like years ago, soul loops with no drums, all you know, all this stuff, the street knowledge rap yeah. shit. Like 
Yeah, H, shout out to Asia. That's my dude. Like, I, amazing. Yeah, I got to write this piece about like a recent record he did with Lewis Parker mm-hmm. and a, a new like a feature that he's on. And I'm just like, oh man, like the golden era of hip hop is alive and well in oh. all of this. And it still feels like absolutely fresh yep. and timeless all at the same time. Just incredible. Yeah. And that was a. Uh that was what was really dope. I re-released um, Camouflage Jackets, which was the album I did with Asia. Yeah. We re-released that last year just because it had never been on like streaming services because when we put it out, Spotify didn't right. exist. <laughs> Apple Music didn't, you know, it was like... No SoundCloud even yeah, at uh, that point. Yeah, nah. Probably. So uh, I think we just did like Bandcamp release with, with Kenny Fresh with Fresh Select shit. And um, it was really dope to put that out and see a lot of his fans like who hadn't heard it be like man asia's new shit's crazy like i liked his last album but this shit's nuts and i'm like this shit's 10 years old fuck man you know and it was still it's still holding up and that was like shit like that is just crazy to me i'm like man because that's the goal is like you want to make timeless music like i don't want to just be a blip on the radar or make something that was hot in that moment it's like i want to make something i can be proud of years later Fuck features, city laced by the pretty face, assassin for higher lines, designed for the refinement of real estate. Killer cake, collage, menage, bras, Madagascar war, battle axe, chopping your sword, provocative, tropical sweat, sun beaming on me, raspberry drink, feeling good, cause that's an antioxidant. Popping shit, spending money, thousands, duffel, catch a homicide quick. If I see y'all niggas shuffling, blinging in the recession, leather black jacket, goggles, is proud of my outfit, connect like metric. Post with gats, boasting in my raps, keeps the lame niggas so. But you can never fault me for that, so back up off me, you ain't worthy Use a bird, that's my word, even your dame said you lame and nerdy It's medallions, the man, the marvelous man, dingo Niggas don't make albums no more, they drop singles Bully of the dogs, I roam through alleys picking fights Two cats dirty and pull them out their drawers, make them walk it out Got to the back, a couple blocks, your builders is mine So I guess it's nothing else to talk about Food for the babies, shelter to the homeless Clothing for the busted, my whole aura is ill Your outfit is sus Respect to the truck neck, rough neck. No matter if you current or you up next, the boy gon' smash. My niggas don't it's, it's funny how like a release date can like shift the, the context of everything. Yeah. Like for something like that, you know. Yeah. Um uh, I was just talking to this dude out of Portland last week. His name is Bryson the Alien. Mm-hmm. I think he's like doing some pretty pretty cool shit Hell with yeah. what he's doing. And uh I was talking to him about his new record and he's just like yeah, all of the, everything on this album was before the prior record. Like this was already yeah. all done, and it's just like that's like interesting because I think this is like the most mature or like the yeah. like the most next level thing that you've done. So it's just interesting. It is. There's some. I mean, and there's some for that. Like when you first start working with somebody, you get some energy that like you might not be able to recreate three albums down the line or something. Mm. So. uh not to say if me and Asia did another record, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't be dope. But it's, it's just something special for that time. It was like I was feeding him my best beats. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was like, okay, I'm sending Asia the top shit I've been saving for that. Like, whoever the person is, it's yeah. getting sent to him. So he was getting fed the best things that I could do at the time. And it was cool to hear that it was just funny because I'm like, damn, we were doing this shit. Like, a lot of that stuff is like looped up, no drum type of shit. And, it's just funny. It was like, man, this is what everybody's doing, and I'm still doing it too. I fucking love doing it, so it's cool. It was just cool to see how like full circle things can move in hip hop and shit. But that was awesome, man. And we and like I did a few shows with him after that record, and he like came up to Eugene, and like he did a show with my band Medium Troy, and like 
I got to like smoke a blunt with him on stage and like rap to my like hometown <laughs> with him. It was so fucking dope. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, so like he's you know, and like he's still my like I said, I just talked to him today, uh, and shit. Like he's still still a friend and and just still like show support. And when I first moved out to L.A., he showed me love and like we linked up a bunch and popped out at a show I did with Illa J and shit. And just a, just a good dude, man, and a great rapper. I remember yeah. I picked him up. Um, when I first moved out here and I was playing them beats and we were driving uh, back to my house and, and dude freestyled the whole time and I thought it was written. I was like, damn, dude, you wrote this? Like, you want to lay this down when we get back? And he was like, nah, I was just freestyling. Mind-blowing. He's definitely one of the best rappers like I've ever worked with and just in general, you know. Could talk about age for a whole podcast, but... <laughs> Who else has, like, maybe, like, really shifted your lens or, like, your approach for what you do that you've encountered along your uh your journey up until now like people i've worked with yeah um man ep from uh portland the, the homie ep yeah when i first moved up to portland and link with him it was just we like clicked immediately and he was just putting me on to things that i was maybe like you know, too, too uh, underground hip-hop headed to, like, get into at the moment, you know? Like, I mean, he really, like, pushed Kid Cudi onto me, and I was like, yeah, mm. this dude's all right. And then, like, we really got into Kid Cudi. Now I'm, like, a huge Kid Cudi fan, and, and Ep was heavy on the break beats. And so every time we'd, like, get in the studio, I'd be like, man, you got any break beats? Like, this gets... And I wasn't really using break beats like that, you know what I mean? And, like, he... And uh, he was just a big influence of, of helping me kind of push my sound and especially the T&E stuff, you know, like working, having him just like, it wasn't like he was over my shoulder, but I knew like, all right, I got to impress this dude while I'm creating okay. something from scratch. And yeah, and yeah so Epp is definitely a big influence. Laws, Laws is also a big influence on me for sure. Uh, just when I moved up to Portland and shit. A lot, of, a lot of the producers from Portland made me step my game up like crazy. Because like when I was in Eugene, by the time I left Eugene, I had done the Planet Today shit. It wasn't out, but it was like I had done it. The mm -hmm. Medium Troy, we, could, we were selling our shows. I felt like, I'm kind of killing it, you know what I mean? Like, eh, eh. Right. Move up to Portland, you know. I'm like, I'm the best producer in Eugene. And I move up to Portland, and you got Devin Who, Trox, you know, High Res, Dave Naughty, Dane, fucking Flip Flop. Like, it was just like an incredible amount of producers making incredible. Everybody had their own style, and everything was ridiculous. And uh, my bad if I left anybody out. <laughs> and um, that made me step my game up hella. It was like a big wake up call, you know. It's like okay, there's other people that are tight and tighter than you are. So, <laughs> but yeah, Laws a big influence on me, and uh, shit, a lot of people. But that's like in the early early stages, you know, or at least the Portland stages. That's for sure. And even working with Ilmac and too, just seeing his work ethic and and how fucking dope he is with rapping and. He was writing at that time. He wasn't even writing raps. It was all free, like not freestyles, but he write the raps in his head and shit. And moving to Portland helped me step my game up a lot, as far as just like seeing people taking their craft really serious as well. Yeah, man. I think work ethic, like watching somebody else's work ethic, can be super inspiring. Mm -hmm. No matter what level they're doing it at, like mm -hmm. if they're just like dedicated to the thing that they do. Yep. It's. Uh, it's it's impressive and i think like makes you want to go harder sometimes definitely and there was nobody else um that i came up with who had the same dedication that i had in the sense of like i'm not going to do anything else but this you know what i mean and so 
when I moved to Portland, I met people who were like, Ilmac was like that. He wasn't like talking about some day job he needs to go to or I got to get back into college or some shit. It was like, this is all I do. This yeah. is what I'm doing. And there were other, you know, other people who were like that. And it was like, cool. These are my, my folks. I can connect with people like this. And I didn't really have that in Eugene in the same way um, for whatever else. It's because we didn't, we couldn't see it again. I think it goes back to that. I just couldn't see it. So it was like, people were like, yeah, man, I like doing music with you, but like, I'm gonna need to go do this other thing, you know. But I was I was selling beats and shit and making some money, so I I kind of knew I could do it. But yeah, that's some Portland influences for sure. But I mean, there's so many other people I've worked with. Illa J was another person who who definitely helped me just like get out out of my box and 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 man. But everybody influences me who I work with. It's hard not to, you know. You get a little piece just as I, I influence them, so. <clears throat> yeah yeah maybe think about things differently after you work with certain people yeah definitely and i mean another ego boost was when i did that joint with de La for sure yeah, right that was on some but i didn't like work in the studio with them or anything um i just like reached out to them and they hit me back and then i sent them a bunch of beats and they did a song and then they got Nas on it that was crazy yeah. was like i wasn't around them so it wasn't like i was but it's your shit yeah but i was influenced by them because that's one of my favorite rap groups ever so when we glide the world, what we telling them? Still got it, baby boy. Within the loudest crowds, what we yell at them? Still got it, baby boy. Walk amongst the people, what they are saying? Still got it, baby boy. Those that thought they were equal, they demise saying? Still got it, baby boy. As young boys, we sat on the stoop playing punch buggy. Now we OGs driving. Limit whip for 2016. Just watch what we call perfect timing. Cradle straight, the fridge got a cradle of steak. We dine like Thanksgiving. If you on seconds with nothing to share, then kill yourself. What's life worth living? Case studies say hip hop is dead, huh? I think I need to taste the pudding. Proof in it. God was a kid when sales went from platinum. And what about LA? Like you've you've been out here like seven or eight years? Yeah, seven years now. It's crazy. Um, what is what do you feel like being out here is taught you or like just influenced your your production um i mean being out here like i moved out here when i was like established enough in what i was doing that um it was helpful in the sense of i didn't come out here and kind of like ooh, i need to pursue this sound or i need to everybody's doing this i better do this you know like i was kind of like all right what i've been doing is working let's like see if it can work in a bigger market or whatever and so um yeah it was a kind of easy transition in that sense um because i was old enough i didn't uh, yeah i saw other people like move out here too young and kind of get like turned out a bit of just like following a career they didn't really want to do or whatever um but la's just influenced me a bunch and mainly the the thing it's taught me the most is like music business you know because there wasn't really like music business in portland you know we like to make money off shows sell some beats here and there but you signed to like the labels in portland and it's not the same nobody was pursuing a pub deal or like sync yeah. stuff yeah. i mean that's changed a bit now and it obviously is different in the indie rock world but just speaking for hip-hop and shit and so moving out here like i didn't really know what a pub deal was i didn't know 
what this thing is. I didn't know, oh, I, I need to be getting to know the A&Rs of labels. I need to be knowing the managers. People in Portland didn't have managers, you know. We just all connect or whatever. So just taught me a lot about that, like the other side of like the actual music business, um, which is good shit to know if you want to like make it a career. Um, so a lot of learning lessons out here with that, uh, when, you know, dealing with negotiations and, and just how to network and how to keep the peace and shit. I was very like hot headed in Portland and would like, I was known to yell at a sound man or two, you know, like at shows and stuff if they were fucking up. And I kind of learned like, all right, you can't do that out here. You know what I mean? You gotta be, I was already chilled out a little bit more by that point cause I was older, but that's why I said it was good. I moved out here when I was a little older cause I was a little a little more steadfast, a little more steady and shit. So things didn't shake me as much where I might like, you know, I knew like, oh, you could actually ruin your career out here. <laughs> you know, no, no diss to Portland or nothing. And this is, I'm talking seven years ago. So it's like, or even longer because I lived in Portland for five years. So if anybody from Portland listens to this and gets upset, like they always do, uh, I'm not talking about y'all now. You guys have a great thing going. <laughs> <laughs> but when I was there, not so much. As far as like that goes, as far as like you know labels and shit, and and just and just real business, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, and then fucking all the artists I've worked with out here, it's just a whole different thing, you know. You now you're dealing with like everybody's out here, and everybody wants to do the same thing, you know. Like people, if you move to LA to do music, you're doing music, you're trying to do a full time kind of thing. So that was cool because everybody I work with was like trying to do. I didn't have to like push people the same way I was kind of pushing other people people are out here trying to do their careers and you can kind of connect with them mm -hmm. or whatever yeah just some other very like hungry people and yeah or people who are a little more established you know like that's how i met illa j was um was like that he flew in town to do low-end theory and i knew frank knit um uh, from a few years earlier and he was like y'all should link up or whatever and it's like that stuff didn't really happen in portland that much you know if an artist is coming to town, they're there for like one night on a tour stop. Right. They're not going to kick it for a few days and want to work in studios or whatever. They're like, I'm going to get my bread and I'm going to move up to go, you know, I'm on to Seattle. Or right, whatever. right. There's not two nights in, in Portland or, yeah, you and know, I mean, very I'm sure often. now it's, it's probably different, but yeah, it was, it was harder to like, you know, and then everybody's thirsting for that person who came into town or whatever. Right. We're out here. It's, there's just so much going on. It's kind of, it's a little easier to like, shit, you know, slide your way into some right. situations or whatever. Right. So. Um, I'm curious to, you know, you have like different styles of projects, whether it's like plush seats where it's more instrumentals and, and samples or then, you know, like save the planet where you're, where you're actually rapping and producing the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And then you got the shit that you're doing in collaboration. Do you feel like, all of those things like feed different itches like creatively yeah definitely and that's why i don't like rap on the projects i produce you know because i just feel like i'm putting on a different hat okay you know like i don't want to be working with illa j and being like hey man you know what would sound good on this is me rapping you know it's like i want to like make that distinction with the artist that i'm working with you know like i'm not I'm, i'll help write songs and stuff if needed you know but um yeah that's what i i don't know i got lost in my thoughts but yes <laughs> you feel like like as far as like something like plush seats or you oh know, you're talking like, about yes all that shit man it's it's because i get i create a lot and i get and then i'll get bored so it's like with plush seats it's like 
I'm, I was hella into making some sample beats. Yeah. Boom. All right. I make that. And then the next project I made was Keep Summer Safe where it was no samples. Right. You know, and so I right. think it's just kind of like that's just how I... I get, I get I don't, bored is not the right word because I'm never like bored making music but it's like that it's just like I'm influenced by a bunch of different things so it's like today I might want to do some sample shit and tomorrow I might want to make like an indie rock like sad song instrumental or whatever you know it's like it's just I'm, I'm influenced by so many different styles of music and listen to so much different stuff it'd be hard for me just to create one genre all the time yeah do you yeah. feel like there's a different freedom in building like the instrumental records when you know that you don't have to like accommodate anything for a vocalist? Um, uh, I don't know, man. I never really wanted to do instrumental projects that much because I was just afraid rappers would just rap on them and not pay me. <laughs> and so I think with my beat tapes, I don't like it to be just a beat. You know, that's mm -hmm. why I get my brother Sully to scratch on them. That's why I put the little skits in. That's yeah. why I keep the beats kind of short. That was another thing Asia, Planet Asia told me. He's like, man, if you're going to do a beat tape, like, he's like, I don't want to hear a beat for four minutes. You right. know, he's like, a minute and a half tops, two minutes two minutes tops, like, and move on to the next one. Unless you're thing. flying Lotus. Yeah, you, unless you're like, you I guess you. if you're building some shit. But <laughs> I'm also on the same tip. Like, the beat tapes I listen to are like, I don't listen to that many beat tapes. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'll listen to Donuts. I'll listen to, like, some Alchemist shit, and I'll listen to some Mad Lib beat tapes, basically. And, like, that's usually the instrumental stuff I'll listen to, so... That's why I was kind of always hesitant to even do an instrumental project because it's not even the stuff I sit around and really listen to all the time. I'm like, I make beats all the time. I really want to sit around and listen to beats. But I love making those, and I have another instrumental project coming out after saying all that shit called <laughs> Weed is Awesome. <laughs> and it's coming out in July or August. <laughs> cool. I'm stoked for it. I, re I really like your, your instrumental shit just as much as anything. Like, I thought Plush Seats was really dope. Like, I really dig uh kg solo man hell yeah and um <laughs> shout out to tenacious d i think that that's like also uh this is like a cool display of, of some of your like seamless transitions because i think that into pch from that mm -hmm. is like a very cool fucking moment album that you can listen to all the way through you know i'm so that's what i try to do with all my projects is make them so they blend nice they feel good and so yeah i really love doing that with the beat tapes especially so that's the fun part about doing those or like plush seats that was like a bunch of beats from you know over the three or four years and i was just kind of like picking through all these beats i'm like well nobody ever rapped on this nobody ever used this i think this one's still really dope whatever and it was cool to kind of piece them all together and make this like cohesive sound even though it was put it was from over, you know, a handful of years of just like random beats, you know? Yeah. Where it's like different with this new one. I actually just sat down for three days and made a bunch of beats for, I was like, I'm just going to make the best beats I can for this beat tape. And so I just like made 
30 beats in like three days and then pick my favorite 20 or whatever. I did that. the same thing, sequenced them and everything. I dig that 76 track a lot oh, yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Off plus seats, just, yeah, some of the, the tempo changes and like time manipulations there. Hell yeah, It's a man. cool cool vibe of just like how you, how you chop shit up with that one. Thank you, bro. Yeah. That's just fun. I love doing it. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just like, I, I I don't turn on any of your projects and and want to like turn it off. Not like oh this this one is like whatever. Like I feel like they're all just like super fun to listen to. Like I said, I appreciate your your references yeah. for thing quite a bit and uh, and enjoy the instrumentals and the the projects where it's just you solo rapping and producing the beats as much as any of the the collaborations. Yeah, that's dope. I appreciate that. And we're like, that's the goal. You know what I mean? That's what I was talking about. I was trying to make like timeless records. It's like, I hope I don't want to listen to my album and want to skip a song. You know, that's my least favorite thing is when yeah. I go back to an album that I put out and I'm like, fuck, that, I don't like this. Yeah. I don't like this song anymore. You know, for sure. So been talking about that with my cousin a lot on this record podcast of just like, it's, it's got the it's the record where like you you could just put your phone down you don't need to skip anything you yeah. know and that's like how i felt even people should uh i'll put the link in the episode notes but you have that that spotify playlist mm-hmm. of you know that kind of covers the whole body of work and a lot of different shit so i I encourage people to like check that out because yeah. it kind of really showcases the dynamic i think of like yeah there's like almost 200 songs at this point on there um We'll close out with this because I know we gotta we gotta get you out of here. Oh, what time is it? It's three nineteen. Oh, we're good. Okay, cool. Good. Yeah. Well, I gotta I gotta get a Sherbert question in too because I because yeah. he uh, he hit me with the question and he he's the reason that that, that, that we linked here. up. You I'm know? gonna smoke a bong here while you ask. This yeah, question. absolutely. This is not from Sherbert, but I'm I'm curious. Um, do you feel like you? doing like being a multi-instrumentalist and being able to like sample real drum kits and you know real synths and and basses and whatever whatever else you want do you feel like that attributes a lot to just the fat sounds that that you get out of your records is that yeah and i just like (laughs) my biggest fear coming up was that like my records weren't gonna hit (laughs) yeah that's uh and so (laughs) man yeah i just think the balance is like incredible where it does hit yeah it's it hits but it's also very like just like chill and laid back yeah pocket is always very present hell yeah yeah and that's you know that was just working really hard and like when i came up when i when i really first started like really getting into making beats and sampling like i didn't know drum packs existed so when I would start a beat, I would take a record and find a hi-hat recorded in, find a snare recorded in, find like two or three kicks, layer them, two or three snares and layer them, mix them. And so that really helped me like learn the dynamics of how things are supposed to hit, you know? And for like the good good first part of my beat making, I was making beats on these little PA speakers with like some like, I did not have studio monitors, you know what I mean? And I was still making the shit slap. So by the time I went over to studio monitors, I kind of understood okay and then i had a sub and i'm like holy shit now i know how to like kind of work this uh this sound dynamic or whatever but it's all self-taught it's all just like feeling you know and studying i just listen to music all the time and study it so it's like i know how i want it to feel so i'm gonna tweak the shit until it feels how i want it to you know till i feel good about it or until it hits some right 
thing. I'm not like looking at the numbers like, oh, this kick drum needs to be at this dB and this thing. It's like none of that. It's literally just like, does this feel good? You know, does it, is the bass hitting where it feels right? All that stuff. So, yeah, I always want that shit to slap. But like you said, it doesn't have to be like a super slap in your face. But it's like there's gonna be a rumble in there. There's gonna be some. There's gonna yeah. be some low end. There's gonna be some nice texture. Yeah, I just think that there's like a a presence throughout all of your shit. Mm-hmm. You know, even the stuff that's got like a hazy low five vibe to it. Still like, I don't know. It just all feels like oh, this is Calvin Valentine shit. You know, that's like, dope. That's dope to hear, man. Cause yeah, that's what you hope. You know, you hope like all right. I'm not just like. I'm creating at least because I know I'm not reinventing the wheel, but it's like I'm hoping at least I'm putting my own kind of stamp on on music where, like you said, you could hear my shit and go like and I have people do that. They're like, this song just popped up on my Spotify. Like, it sounds like your beat. And I'm like, yeah, that's my shit, you know? <laughs> Hell yeah. And that's really dope because um, then you're like, OK, well, I'm doing something that like is unique to me, which is hard to do and hard to uh not be influenced by everything else and especially with social media and everything it's really easy to see mm-hmm. what everybody else is doing and be like should i be doing that that's working you know what i mean and not just like sticking to like what you feel is good or whatever so and there's just so many dope people out there it's like shit if i can stand out a tiny little bit or at least like people can appreciate the music that's icing on the cake because i'm gonna do it either way yeah just just overall man it's just uh it just all feels real good to me and like this feeling on the that's on the Eugene yeah collection of tunes yeah just that opening track is like oh yeah I'm in the right place hell yeah <laughs> that's so dope I that, came to the right place <laughs> that's so dope that joint's tight too cause uh when I went to go get that album mastered uh I went to Daddy Kev to master it and he mastered it and he hit me up after I left and he was like yo can I remix this feeling He's like, this song's so dope, I just want to remix it. And that, that was crazy. I'm like, man, you're Daddy Kev. He's like, <laughs> fuck, of course you can do that. So, shout out to Daddy Kev. I'm glad you like that song. That was a fun one. took the strings from uh one of the other joints my homie philip laid some like live strings and i took those and flipped them and that kind of built the beat around those so it's like they pop up a few different times in that album <laughs> <laughs> yeah man there's there's uh there's tons of music to check out so i there's encourage tons. people to fucking go through and just like hit shuffle on the on the catalog or like dive into some full records because like yeah tiger tiger milk is like something is like very fun to listen to front to back as well as the the other records you know it all feels like it belongs in the the same place and shit yeah if you want the uh, a range of dynamic listen to tiger milk and then go listen to ryan Beatty, boy in jeans (laughs) (laughs) and that's a good representation of the various styles because those albums are like completely different genres and different everything and I did both damn things. <laughs> it's wide. It's a wide net. Yeah, man. Um, it's the weed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sherbert's question here. Um, he wanted to ask about the change from uh, from G-Force oh, and sure. Calvin Valentine. Right on, man. 
Oh yeah, I guess that should have been said from the beginning. I did used to go by G-Force for a long time. And G-Force came about when my brother named me that when I was like in sixth grade or seventh grade. I was like, the force of gravity was some hip hop shit. I'm holding it down, the force of gravity, G-Force. And uh, and then it stuck. Then kind of like, I by the time I did the Planet Asia shit, I was like, well, fuck, now I got this whole Planet Asia album. And then boom, I did like some, the green tape with Mac, and now the G-Force name is like picking up and I was like fuck I want to change this it was always kind of embarrassing to tell people my name's G-Force you know what I'm saying you gotta have a bad name to start though Bruh, but it, the thing it went far like I held that and then I, that was me just listening to too many people I would have changed it a long time ago but people were like no man like you're building that name up like you should be Calvin Valentine and G-Force so I started with that I like put out this album that nobody should listen to called Valentine's Day it's probably like the only album in my catalog that I don't like that much but if people enjoy it that's amazing I was just like getting back into rapping and figuring out my voice and I, it's, it's the one record I can't really listen to in my catalog like most most time when I go back and listen to my albums I'm like oh sweet this is cool you know I remember this time that one it's like I know it, ne- it needed to be there but ugh, doesn't, it just don't do it for me anywho so yes I put out that album but I was still going by G-Force producing and then even to to the point when I got to L.A., like in 2014, I was still walking the fine line. And then I just thought to myself, the Grammy goes to G-Force. <laughs> no, they're not going to say that. The Grammy goes to Calvin Valentine. I'm like, they'll say that. I'm going by Calvin Valentine from now on. Fuck this shit. <laughs> that's amazing, man. And so that's when I made the change. <laughs> that's killer. Oh, shout out to Sherbert. Yeah, shout out to Sherbert. For his man. question. And, uh, yeah, but for, yes. Um, he was G-Force he, name. He was very pumped about this uh, <laughs> this podcast happening. Yeah. So it was fun, man. It's fun doing this. I, uh, yeah, it's always good. Yeah, I appreciate you, man, giving me your time. Like I said, I'm just just enjoy the the hell out of the music and just think it's it's good for for any time. It's just you know, it's it's solid, and uh, people should check out all of it. And uh, yeah, yeah, sounds like there's gonna be a lot of new music coming out along the way instrumental another instrumental coming out this summer yeah i got an instrumental album called weed is awesome and we're doing a picture disc vinyl for that one that one's gonna be wild and uh got a solo album called the bongs in the freezer (laughs) so those those albums kind of go together you got the weed is awesome the bongs in the freezer uh and then um yeah i got a ep with illa j that's gonna come out at some point and a ep with lando chill um i got a bunch of other shit too but yeah those are like the more solidified releases in the next hopefully end of the by the end of this year all those will be see the light of the day but yes sir we should be working cool man working um we end every episode with the guest saying the tagline for the show which is it's a program it's a program you know you already said it yeah but i can say it again you can do it this is calvin valentine and it's a program it's calvin valentine he uh he did the thing and uh, I'm going to put all the links in the episode notes mm-hmm. so you can keep up with him. Give him a follow on uh, on all the things. And yes. uh, we're going to play it out with something off Tiger, Tiger Milk. Hell yeah. Which is, uh, I think my favorite track is Dear Rosie. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, and that one features Epp. And yeah. yeah, just love that break when, when Epp's part kicks in. That man silence is, hits for a second. And, and you just get, that voice kicks in and it's a beautiful thing so. it is a beautiful thing that man is a fantastic rapper and got a wonderful voice and he's a great person 
I love that song. Uh, that's Laz's favorite song too. He was like, "That's that was his favorite beat out of the batch when I when we were picking out beats and everything." So this song's fun, man. Listen to it. We're gonna <laughs> send it out with that. And uh, thanks for tuning in. And that's the Jelly Jams, and we will catch you on the flip side, Portland, Los Angeles, wherever you Eugene. are listening from, Eugene. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man. Big fishes and small ponds, some little pieces on the chessboards that they call pawns. Can't love it when what I love is all gone. Used to be the only thing that I could ever fall on. Maybe I complain how you change too much. No matter town cats came and changed you up, ganged you up. Got you looking all different Things got all strange Now the landscape is shifting You're so no longer there Yet I still don't want to leave you You say it's gonna be better But I just don't believe you You let that spoiled billionaire air run you Hit you with that old neoliberalism one-two That you clung to Dead Rosie really bringing me down Afraid of these rappers Won't bring us around Shit got all corny I should take it elsewhere Spill blood for you And I don't got no health care Even though you always Rained on our parades You always had trees I guess it was a trade I used to ride the trains And just stare out and look at you You was beautiful in every way I was hooked on you Over the bridge When the sun hit the river in your face There wasn't a place On this world I'd rather be Just you and me Word. We had it real good, didn't we? Raised on integrity, built off chemistry, felt like water should raise. I see the way that you get down, spark up a joint and we blaze. Feels good with your arms around me. Doubted you a few times, waited in a few lines where the sun is cloudy. Beef cook, had to settle a few. Start moving around differently, the reason was true. The moment I knew that you could never be by my side, had me messed up to the southeast, we glide. Got a fresh cut, looking for a party to slide. Back the best, cause it's colder than the news you provide. We running off energy and calm, but heard you got it out and leave it. confused about what love was. And Angel told me never trust in the bros. Now everywhere I go, it's easy when I'm calling you home. Yeah. Like this milk here contains no lactose and it's rich in calcium, which is good for bone building. So I always advise people to take milk. But my favorite thing about Hey, just want to give a big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their support of this thing. And make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership with Distro Kid, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you so make sure you take advantage of that and the link is also in uh, the link in my instagram bio on the link tree so you can find it there as well big thanks to distro kid stay up stay tuned <laughs>